0: Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Uh, We've been in a series for the last 10 weeks entitled By Faith, the Sequel. How many of you enjoyed this series so far? Have you enjoyed it? Okay. Um, And uh, the reason we're calling it the sequel is because it is a theme that God gave us at the beginning of 2022, a prophetic invitation to step into all we believed he had for us this year. Uh, And so we spent the first couple months of the year talking about what it looks like to live by faith. As It says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, to live by faith and not by sight. We want to be people that are more convinced of what we see with our eyes closed in prayer than what we see in the natural with our eyes open. We want to take risks and step out of the boat and pray bigger prayers than what we're experiencing. And and we leaned into that quite a bit at the beginning of this year. Um, But as we entered into the fall, there was this, this agitation in our spirits, a conviction that God was not done with those two words, that there was more he wanted to pour out, pun intended from the song, onto our community before the year Came to a conclusion: more healings, more miracles, more breakthrough, more opportunities, more freedom for those that are bound. And as we've shared each week, the greatest miracle: more people turning to Christ. Those who do not know Jesus saying yes to Him and making a conscious decision to follow Him. And as I shared last weekend, we have seen that over and over and over again over the last couple of weeks as we've been in this series. Yes, physical healings and miracles that have been poured out. Our daughter getting great news for her health, which was a big one for our family. But but most importantly, and perhaps most consistently, we've seen a lot of people come to Jesus during this series. Uh, two weeks ago, I shared last, last weekend, two weeks ago, uh, seven people made a documented decision to follow Jesus, lifted their hands, and said, I'm running after him. And last weekend, seven more people made a documented decision to follow Jesus. So no pressure, but I'm gonna need seven today as well. All right, so even if you're already saved, just lift your hand, just get me to seven, all right? I don't want six, six is a weird number. Let's go with seven today. Uh, But every week during this series, we have been looking at a song we wrote and released back in uh, September called By Faith, and we've been considering the scriptures that inspired each of those lyrics and using them as our catalyst for each of the sermons, and uh, today we're going to do the same. Unfortunately, we're going back to the bridge of the song. My. Uh, Robin shared a couple of weeks ago that we were stuck on the bridge in true San Francisco fashion for weeks on end. Uh, but then we got off the bridge for a couple of weeks. We're back on the bridge today. It's like a commute. You know, you're just going back and forth. Uh, but we'll never come back to the. Br- that was a dumb joke. I know. I get it. Uh, we're gonna. We're never coming back to the bridge again after today. So fear not. Here's the lyric I want to consider. Uh, we sing this: The lame will walk, the dead will rise, chains will fall by faith in you. I want to look at those first four words: The lame will walk. That phrase, it comes from the book of John chapter 5, which is where we're going to spend all of our time today in uh, one of my favorite portions of Scripture, one of my favorite stories of the ministry of Jesus. If you've got a Bible, you can go there now. Uh, otherwise, it will pop up on the screen for you as well. Uh, verse 1 starts like this. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches waiting for a certain movement of the waters, for an angel of the Lord came during a certain season and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always makes it there first. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. I love this story so much. There are so many layers to this story. I actually think if we wanted to, we could probably spend an entire month talking about this text and not mine everything that's in here. But what I'd like to do for our few precious moments this morning is I'd like to mine as much as I can as we focus on simply this man's response to Jesus. As this man who's been sick 38 years is approached by the Messiah, the healing one, and asked, do you want to be made well? He utters two very hopeless but revealing words. He says, I can't. I can't. Do you wanna be made well? I can't. To that end, I wanna title our conversation this morning, Lame Excuses. <laughs> Someone smiled at me. <laughs> Lame Excuses. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this house. Thank you for this uh, declaration we made just a moment ago to pour out your spirit afresh on us. Thank you for preserving this story in scripture so that we could study it today and apply it to our lives. And I I don't know what situations everybody walked in the room with. I don't know what the weeks look like. I don't know what the year has looked like. I don't know what tragedies or successes uh, have met us here this morning, but, but I do know that you are in our midst, and your desire is to speak to every mind and every heart so that you can transform us before we leave. By your word, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, we're gonna have a moment of confession here on a Sunday morning. Uh, I know you maybe came from a Catholic church, you thought you were done. No, back to confession. All right, here we go. How many of you would be honest this morning and say you have offered up some lame excuses before? Just look around the room for yourself. Okay, feel encouraged about yourself. Yeah, we've all, uh, we've all offered up some lame excuses. Maybe you've offered up some similar to mine. Uh, have you ever told somebody that you didn't return a call or a text message for a reason other than the real reason you didn't return the call or the text message? You ever done that before? Like They're like, hey, I called. You, you didn't call back. And you're like, oh, I, I didn't even see that you called. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> And you intentionally ignored the call because you thought to yourself, nah, I can't have that conversation right now. And so you hit the little button on the side. Yeah, my man, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. Was it me? Because I've called you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or have you ever like, like not responded to a text message and the person comes to you like, hey, I texted you and I didn't get a response. You're like, oh man, I must not have gotten it. And you're like, that's weird because it said red at 1148 on my phone. And you responded to the group text that I was in that asked if you wanted to go to the Warriors game, but you didn't respond to my text about needing prayer. That's really weird that you didn't... No, you're not that bad? Okay, okay. Uh, How about this one? Um, Have you ever told somebody you were late to an appointment for a reason other than the real reason you relate to that appointment? Oh, man, there was traffic. The four blocks that it took me to get here, there was traffic. I woke up, I I, I just, I couldn't find parking. Uh, Yeah, we've all made those kinds of excuses before, but the real reason was because you slept through the alarm or... If you've ever done this, you, you, you didn't remember you were meeting that person because they're not that important to you, and uh, the alarm on your phone went off, and you're like, oh, that's right, and then you ran off to the appointment. Or how about this one? You had to get coffee before you got to the appointment because you cared more about being caffeinated than punctual. Someone smiled at me. Okay, fun story. Disclaimer, this family has moved, and they no longer attend our church, okay? So I can talk about them openly. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, I love you. Uh, so... Last year, we did a series called All Hail, and we were talking about the power of worship. What happens when the believers gather together and lift up the name of Jesus in one united song, and how the the Spirit of God moves into a space, and and healings take place, and his power's at work. And uh, in that series, at the beginning, I I specifically addressed the community on day one. I said, listen, worship is the the best way we deal with this consumer Christian, Christian mentality that is swept into the church in America. In our churches, it's the only way that we give something back to God. I When mean, we think about it, you show up to church, it's a lot of receiving. You receive the word, the kids receive ministry, you receive help from friends and encouragement from one another, you receive prayer at the altar. But worship is one of those moments where we get our eyes off of ourself, we focus on heaven, we look to Jesus and we say, hey, regardless of what I'm facing right now, regardless of what I need, I give you all the praise, you all the honor, you all of the glory. And so I said, hey, in light of the fact that this is our opportunity to give something back to God, I wanna encourage you, be on time to church. Don't don't miss out on those moments, I go to church for the word. No, we wanna give something back to God, so so be on time. Small encouragement if you need that today. (laughs) But I'll never forget, the following weekend, uh, I was in the baptism area with someone who was getting baptized, and uh, after they were baptized, they needed to go into the bathroom to get changed. And so I was walking with them to the bathroom. And by this time, you know, we're two and a half, three songs into worship. It's almost over. I walk out of the bathroom and, and I, I lock eyes with this family that has just walked into church. And they're trying to check their kids into the kids' ministry. And they're scrambling. And, and they, they see me and I see them. And immediately I know that they feel guilty for being late. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a pastor, so I'm gentle. And that's not true. I looked at my fake watch and I'm like, what the heck, man? Where are you guys at? And. And you know, I'm just joshing him a little bit. And so he comes over and he says, Pastor, I'm so sorry we were late. I know you wanted us to be on time to church for this series, but man, we just, we couldn't make it uh, on time. The kids, man, those kids, they just, they were rowdy and they didn't didn't get up on time. We couldn't pick out clothes and those kids. And as he's talking, I look down and he's got like a steaming Starbucks cup in his hand. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, first of all, don't bring Starbucks into this church, okay? Don't, you leave your deer urine at home. You go get some real coffee from a real coffee shop, okay? (laughs) Number two, I'm like, how are you gonna blame your kid for being late to church? I'm staring at your grande pumpkin spice extra whip latte. Like, we all know why you were late to church. You went through the drive-thru at Starbucks. But he offered me this lame excuse. And I I didn't actually say those things to him. I just thought them, to be clear. I I just wanted to tell you, because now they're not here anymore. It's great, Okay. (laughs) Someone say lame excuses. When I read this story, and maybe for you as well, the first thing I see, the first thing that jumps off the page in this text is this guy's excuse. It's what he offers up to Jesus. Jesus walks up to this guy who has been in the same condition for 38 years, and he asks him what seems to be a very simple question with an obvious answer. Do you want to be made well? Yes, I would like to be made well. I would imagine if Jesus walked into this room this morning and maybe you've been suffering with something for an extended period of time, if he walked up to you and said, do you want to be made well? I would hope that in faith we would respond back and say, yes, I would love to be made well. I, we haven't been dealing with it for 38 years, but if Jesus walked up to my daughter and said, would you like me to deal with your blood clot? I would hope that immediately she would say, yes, an exhale of relief. But, but that's not what this guy says. He looks back at Jesus, and he says, I can't be made well. Which makes me ask some questions as I read this text. What has to happen in your life to get to that point? What must you have to endure to be standing in front of the one who can address your need, but be incapable of accepting the invitation for healing, in the presence of the Holy One, but unable to draw down on what he's offering to you, how do you get to that point? Well, in order to understand this man's response, I think we need to first understand his reality. We need to walk a mile in his shoes. Maybe better said, in light of the fact that he was a paralytic, we need to make our way onto his mat. Let's, let's, let's put some, some details together in this story. Uh, we are told that this man has been paralyzed, probably from the waist down, for 38 years. And for 38 years, as a result of his condition, he has been confined to a mat. Now, chances are, he didn't have a Lululemon yoga mat. Uh, we know that because he was not a white girl from the marina. Uh <laughs> Shots fired. I'm sorry if you're a white girl from the marina, all right? There's also white guys in the marina that have Lululemon mats. Okay, this, this one clearly isn't my yoga mat, okay? There is no self-respecting pastor, man of the cloth with a yoga mat. The dark arts of yoga. I, I definitely did not use this on Friday. So, so he's been on this mat for 38 years. Let me, let me get into position real quick. I literally think one of my calves just cramped up. Hold on one second. <laughs> okay. For 38 years, this has been where the man lies. On his side, on a mat. And we don't know when, but at some point, whether it was a family member or a friend, carried him to this place called Bethesda. In the Hebrew, the word Bethesda literally means a house of mercy. So so here he is in this place called a house of mercy, and the reason he's had someone carry him here is because at a certain season, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come and stir the waters, and the first person to make their way from their mat to the waters was healed, which to me, it seems like a, a cruel race, when you consider the clientele around the pool. Blind and paralyzed and lame, lining the porticos around this pool, and the first one to make it to the water. It's like salt in the wound. But but for 38 years, the guy has watched angelic visitations take place, but never been able to make it to the waters. I imagine that the familiar faces of those who laid around the pool with him one by one, they've disappeared as they found their way to the waters first. But here he's stuck, healing just outside of his reach, bound to his back in Bethesda. But, but perhaps the most tragic detail of this story is not the matter, the time, but it's the location of this pool. We're told that. Bethesda was located near the sheep gate of the city. Now the sheep gate would have been this entry point on the way to the temple where the priest, during the morning and the evening sacrifice, would walk the lamb that was going to be used for the temple sacrifice on its way to the temple. In fact, that lamb had to stop by Bethesda on the way to wash off in this pool and be purified before it was offered up on the altar to pay for the sins of the people. And the reason I say that is the most tragic detail of the story is because like the lepers from the last few weeks and the blind man from about a month and a half ago, to be a cripple. A lame paralyzed person in their culture was considered to be one under the curse of God it was repayment for sin this did not happen circumstantially in their minds it wasn't just like oh I, I hurt my leg one day I tripped I fell down some st-. no you were crippled because God wanted you to be a cripple he was paying you back for your sin The outward condition of your life was nothing more than evidence of divine judgment. You were not worthy of mercy regardless of what pool you found yourself in. And so you can imagine the shame as this man, day after day after day, watches the sacrifice walk by that pays for the sins of everybody else in the city. But here he is, the object of God's judgment. Here he is, incapable of moving as this evidence of God's mercy walks by him every single day. Put it together, what do you got? You got a man on a mat in the house who feels miles from mercy, stuck. I wonder if that reality would resonate with anybody here today. I wonder if anyone knows what that feels like. Remember, when we talk about these stories in the Bible, we're not simply issuing a history lesson here on a Sunday morning. This is not just some textbook that we refer to to see what happened in times past. No, this is the living, breathing, active Word of God. It is meant to cut to the heart of where you're living. You cannot open this book and start reading it without it reading you. You cannot study it without it studying you. And when we read these stories, no matter how old they are, we are to ask ourselves in the midst of our reading, what does this story have to do with my story? What would God use this story to speak to me about with what I'm dealing with today some 2,000 years later? I love the way that one of my favorite theologians, William Barclay, says it. He says, Uh, we do well to remember that any Bible story has in it far more than fact. There are always deeper truths below the surface, and even the simple stories, like the one we're reading today, are meant to leave us face-to-face with eternal things. Which makes me ask, what truth are we supposed to see in this story? Why did the Holy Spirit compel the Apostle John to preserve it in the canon of Scripture so that we could read it here today on a December Sunday morning, what are we supposed to learn from a man on a mat in the house of mercy as it pertains to our faith? Well, if I could put it concisely, simply, here is what I would believe we are to learn from this story. Ready? We are all a man on a mat. And I know not everybody in the room is a man, so equal opportunity. Uh, you can be, but it didn't flow as nice to say people on a mat. So we are all men on a mat. mat. We all know what this feels like. We know what it feels like to be stuck in a situation, to be confined to your condition, to, to feel like you're sitting on the outskirts watching other people get what they need from God and other people's prayers get answered while you just can't move. You're stuck here, incapable of making any progress. And then you start to ask questions like, "Why, why did they get free but I didn't? Well, why did they get a job, but the door didn't open for me? I'm tithing, I'm praying, I'm believing. Nothing's changed. Why, why did they get a spouse? I'm way better looking than they are. <laughs> Here I am, single, just dating and dating and dating." Why did God heal them, but he didn't heal me? How come he saved their family member, but mine passed away? (sighs) Bethesda. And don't be surprised after you've spent a considerable amount of time here, if Jesus comes walking by from time to time and asking, hey, do you wanna be made well? And the only thing you can respond with is a lame excuse I can't. Not that the excuse itself is lame, but it's the phrase that's uttered from a defeated, exhausted, I've prayed but it didn't happen, I contended but nothing changed, I'm just stuck here kind of heart. Isn't it interesting that the longer you suffer with something, the easier it is to settle in it? Isn't it interesting how hope can just begin to dissipate over time until at some point, whether you've articulated it or not, there's this mindset that begins to seep in and you say to yourself, maybe God's will for me is simply that I just learn how to live with this. You ever said that before? You ever believed that before? I I just gotta learn to live with it. It is what it is. This is my cross to bear. Woe is me, Eeyore. There's something about prolonged suffering that erodes away at the fabric of faith until at some point you just say to yourself, I gotta learn to live with this. So, so to that end, let me ask you this question. What have you learned to live with? Let's make it personal. Because you are the man on the mat. What have you learned to live with? What have you settled in? What have you just said, whether out loud or not, I'm just going to have to deal with this. I would imagine that this guy was not always as hopeless as he is in the story. I mean, think about it. If you knew That there was a location where healing was available. I think back to some of the great revivals in history past where thousands of people were healed. I think back to uh, Angelus Temple in, in Southern California and Amy Simple McPherson and the room that is filled with wheelchairs and crutches from these healing crusades. Think about the faith that would probably be stirred in the heart of a man if he walked into Bethesda knowing that, hey, at least once a year, healing is available here. There's probably some hope in his heart. He probably looked at some of the other guys laying around the portico's like, hey, I'm not gonna be here that long, just you wait. My number's getting called. I'm going to church, I'm doing the stuff, I'm gonna get healed. But then a year passes, and five years pass. 10, 20, 30, 38. Suddenly he doesn't have a confession of faith anymore. Suddenly it's not, good morning, brother, God's gonna touch me. Suddenly it's like, I can't. What have you learned to live with? Maybe at one point you had faith. Remember what it was like when you first got saved? Now you pray for anything and everybody. You'd be praying for your cat and your dog, praying for your dead fish. In the name of Jesus, I, I command you to rise up out of that toilet bowl. You would pray for anything. But but then some time passes. I'm believing that God's gonna provide the one. But you're on that 10th relationship and it still didn't work out. You're on the fourth attempt to have children and you've still seen miscarriage after miscarriage. You've come forward and received prayer 400 times for deliverance from that thing, but man, you're still not healed. And that, that will begin to erode away at you If you're not careful, I can't. Can I be honest, since I asked you to be honest at the beginning of this service? Can I have a moment of transparency? I'm gonna do it whether you like it or not. (laughs) It It was at this point in the sermon that I became incredibly convicted because I realized that there's a lot of things that I have just learned to live with in my life. Some struggles, some sufferings, and I'm like, well, it's just, it is what it is. I just got to deal with it. I have three herniated discs in my lower back from a car accident that we were in years ago. And I remember during the first year after having that, uh, th- that accident, I would be the guy, every time someone would ask, if anyone needs healing in the room, come on, lift up your hand. We want to pray for you. My hand's up. I'd be coming forward for prayer. I'd be laying hands on myself, praying for myself in the morning. But after some time, I'm just like, yeah, the pain's not that bad. I'll just deal with it. I'll do yoga, move to the marina. It's going to be great. I got, I got a bad left shoulder and I don't even know why. <laughs> you know you're getting old when like stuff hurts and you're like, I don't actually know why it hurts. It just hurts. Like that's, what, that's, that's reality now. But as I was preparing this week and thinking about this, I'm like, I have literally never prayed that my shoulder would feel better. I just like, well, it comes with the territory. You're getting older. Take it a bit deeper. I have friends and family members and neighbors whose salvation I used to contend for with passion, a neighbor that I knew did not like us, that I would contend for daily, God get a hold of his heart. People that we live next door to, friends that are far from God, family members that are far from God, but it's amazing how after some time, those prayers just go silent and you settle with the state of their salvation. Maybe the most devastating to me was I I began to realize this week, I used to pray some much bigger prayers over our city. I I remember before we moved here and even after we moved here for the first year, you can look in my Bible in Isaiah 62, the passage of scripture that God gave us for this church, and man, we were praying some big prayers, loud prayers. We'd go up to the top of Mount Davidson and just start calling out, God, I believe you're going to send revival to San Francisco. Thousands of people are going to come to know you and we're gonna to get to play our part in a historic move of God. As you promised us in Isaiah 62, you'll do such a work that it would even cause the reputation of this city to change on an international scale. No longer would it be known as a den of sin, but it would be known as a place of the redeemed of the Lord and the bride of God. You will give them a new name from the Lord's own mouth. That's, that's how we prayed. And listen, that's still the truth over this city. He still has a plan for San Francisco. There are still thousands of people that will come to know him. The latter days are always better than the former. There is an outpouring of his spirit coming that will transform the landscape of San Francisco. But man, I've only been here five years. And isn't it incredible that after just a short five years, that faith-filled prayer can turn into getting comfortable and your little corner of the Sunset District on 19th and Sloat, with your cute little 700 people on the weekends church thinking you're really making a difference. Thank you. (laughs) But you settle with what you got instead of what you know God's called you to. Just, here I am. But here's what I love about Jesus. When you are here, a lame man on a mat, settled in your situation, Jesus comes to interrupt your little pity party of a pool, your den of depression, and he walks right up to the corner of that mat, and he says, I did not create you to sit here forever. I have something greater than what you are experiencing right now, and I'm about to issue you an invitation by faith to get up, to stand up, and to walk, to pick up that mat and to move on from where you're at. Jesus comes to this man. I can't. I didn't come to ask if you could. I didn't ask if you can. I asked if you wanted to get up. I know you can't. You've tried for 38 years and nothing has worked. We didn't come here to debate your ability. I came to deliver on your desire. And I know that there's something even still buried in that heart of yours that does not want to live here any longer. So if you are willing, I am here to call you up from your place so that you can stand up, you can pick up that mat, and you can begin to move on in life. I'm not gonna force you to. If you wanna stay there, you can. God does not force you to walk into all he has for you. He will not force you into his will. But if you're interested, the moment is upon you to pick up that mat and move on. If you're wondering where the faith application in this sermon is, we have arrived there, okay? Now is the moment where we're going to talk about faith, and you're going to get loud. And we're going to holler and shoot and shout and all the things that we do when we talk about faith. Because this is a by-faith moment. This is something that can only be laid hold of by faith. Logic says, I've been here for 38 years and nothing's changed. Logic says, if God wanted to heal me, he would have already done it by now. Logic says, I just need to cuddle up and get comfortable in this situation. But faith has a different voice. Jesus comes and he interrupts this man's logic and all of the excuses and says, I'm not here to hear what you have to say about it. I'm here to offer you something if you want it. You can get up from your place of contentment of complacency. You can pick this thing up and you can walk. And and at the risk of sounding like a white-noised, hype-driven Pentecostal preacher, man, I believe this is the same invitation that God is issuing to our church right now. It's the same invitation he's issuing to some of you in the room right now. You have suffered long enough. You have been down on the ground on your back in Bethesda long enough. You have been in the house feeling miles from mercy for long enough. God is here to issue an invitation for restoration. Where there has been paralyzed legs and a lame spirit, he wants to restore the feeling again. Where you've gone hopeless, he wants to restore hope. Even if you feel like your faith has been decimated and you have nothing left, he comes today as the author and the finisher of faith. You don't have any faith, he will write some fresh faith into your story. He has the ability to speak and in a moment (laughs) ignite something new on the inside of you. To Get up, pick up your mat, and walk again. And if that sounds like some kind of hype assertion or a misapplication of this text, if it it sounds like I'm just dangling some carrot, like, well, God said it to that guy, so he probably said it to you. Let me explain why I am convinced that what took place in this story was not for one man, but it was for all men. That this invitation goes out to all today. The reason I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is what God would speak to you is because ultimately this story is bigger than Bethesda as we've shared at the lame, or me, with the lepers the last couple of weeks and the blind man and all the other stories we've unpacked in this series, at the end of the day, this is not about a guy laying on a mat by a pool. This is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is about a literal man who is literally on a mat and literally around a pool that was literally healed. But man, it's about so much more than that. Because listen, in in the same way that there was healing in these waters, Jesus would say of himself a couple of chapters later in John seven, I am the living water. Anyone who is thirsty can come to me and they will never thirst again. In the same way that that lamb was dipped into the pool in front of a broken audience on its way to be sacrificed, So Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin in preparation for his sacrifice. And in the same way that lamb was walked through the sheep gate where it would ultimately lay down its life and its blood would be shed to pay for the sins of the people, so Jesus, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world would be walked through the exact same gate a few years later on his way to Golgotha to lay down his life and shed his blood so that all of us could receive forgiveness from our sins. This is bigger than Bethesda. This is the gospel, that you serve a God who left heaven and came down to a broken Bethesda of an earth a place where people wanted mercy but could not find it. And he shed his blood so that you could get up out of your broken situation, pick up that thing that you've been laying on for years and move on and follow him. Come on, you can do better than that. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that you are not stuck in your situation. You are not confined to your failure, but you have been delivered by the Lamb of God. It's bigger than Bethesda. And ultimately, I believe this is the invitation today. I had this picture, even as I was studying this week, of just Jesus coming through Bethesda. And you got to imagine this. I mean, crowds of sick people. He's just walking over people on his way over to this one guy. Like, that doesn't seem fair. Unless you're the guy. Unless he would do everything possible to get to you. And I feel like that's what he's doing this morning, walking over everything that's in the way and his footsteps at the edge of your mat. And he's asking, do you want to get up? Do you want to be made well? Because if so, it's time to get up, pick up that mat and start walking again. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.